The No Quarter Given podcast is brought to you by BuckPower.com, TicketSmarter.com, Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and Star Alvarado, our real estate agent in the state of Florida. Enjoy the podcast. Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, welcome in, Buck fans. No quarter given podcast. It is a bi week edition leading into a week six edition of your three and one Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off their 26 to nine victory in New Orleans for their first division win of the year on the road. I'm your host, Jason Powers, along with my man, Peter Blake. Mr. Blake. What's going on, buddy? Creamsicle week. Of course, I'm wearing the uh, Buck Power Creamsicle shirt that was provided with the new contract extension by none <laughs> other than uh, Jason Light and, of course, Paul Stewart. Uh, and, yeah, three in a row now against the Saints going back to last year. When's the last time you've seen that happen? Uh, I don't think it's ever happened. <laughs> well, again, a very impressive performance by the Buccaneers heading into the bye week. Uh, again, 26-9 to victory. The Bucks very balanced on offense, 33 runs, 33 passes. Mayfield plays really well, 25 of 32, 246, and three touchdowns. Rashad White runs for 56 yards. Keyshawn Vaughn is the second-leading rusher with nine carries. Godwin gets over 100 yards with 114. Had a little uh, hamstring issue with Mike Evans. So, again, even more impressive that the Bucs are able to get through that game with, with no Mike Evans for most of that second half. Um just an all-around very good performance. I thought the defense played really well, and I think the offense after the first quarter, they really played well that the last three quarters of that game. Yeah, and again, they wanted to be balanced, right? We talked about it. They got to have that running game, and maybe sometimes it's not pretty, but you got to have that threat of it, and you could see White uh, from the running back position was running a lot stronger, wasn't being as patient, just hitting the hole, and you could see the result. And also, you know, going back to, and I thought this was a play that a lot of people should have circled, is when you need a third down key conversion and you're in the red zone, he makes somebody miss and he puts you in that situation where you can score the touchdown. That's what you want him to do, make somebody miss. He didn't necessarily do that all year long. He did it in this game. Yeah, and you saw you saw contributions for a bunch of different guys in the wide receiver position for the Buccaneers. Devin Tompkins with four catches. Uh, Trey Palmer with two catches and another touchdown. Uh, and to me, one of the plays of the game was the was the touchdown pass from uh, Mayfield to Otten. It was a kind of a busted play. And Otten, I mean, Mayfield took a vicious hit on the play, a little dump off, on kind of a middle screen kind of deal to Otten. But, uh, uh, you know, took a vicious hit by the Saints, ended up scoring a touchdown there to really – what was like a 19-play drive, like nine-and-a-half, ten-minute drive that culminated with the Kate Otten uh, four- or five-yard touchdown pass. And who do you avoid? The big mouth himself from New Orleans, Cam Jordan, who was saying uh, so many things about how the Bucks weren't going to be anything without Brady, how they're going to be in the cellar. Uh-uh-uh, not so fast, my friend. And that is the difference to this offense. Let's just put it out there. 
Baker Mayfield not only on third down, completing, what, 76% completion when you need third down conversions, and he's also decisive on the run. And, oh, by the way, he's got some mobility, too. That helped uh, last Sunday. And the Buccaneers culminate their victory with a interception at the end of one Jameis Winston. I think he came in for one throw, and it turned into an uh, interception for the Buccaneers. So a little irony there to end the game once again for Jameis Winston throws. Again, the game was over at the time, so I'm not, you know, we're not trying to make fun of Jameis here, but the sure. game did the game did end on a Jameis Winston interception, basically. It did to Dee Delaney, who's played very well uh, so far, and he needed to because Ryan Neal goes out with an injury, believe concussion protocol. So that, that could have been a big loss. You lose Jamel Dean before the game. You got Carlton Davis coming off an injury. You know, Zion McCullum. Overall, the secondary, especially, and Antoine Winfield Jr. played out of his mind against the Saints. No uh, doubt. I thought I, I thought I thought Todd Bowles called an excellent game on defense. Obviously, we knew. David Carr or Derek Carr was a little compromised with the shoulder injury. Um, you could tell he wasn't at full strength, but again, give the Bucs credit. They they heated him up, they blitzed, they put pressure on him, they hit him, uh, sacked him a couple times, and uh in the deep in the defensive backfield, the back seven played really well. They can give the give the linebacking core a lot of credit. They contained Alvin Kamara. Kamara did not get loose on the little on the little outlet routes he likes to get on with Devin White, uh, Levante David. So give those two guys credit for for corralling uh, Kamara. Kamara had a bunch of touches, but not a lot of yards. I think he had like 75, 80 yards for the game, but he had like 25 touches. So full credit to the Buccaneer defense for uh, keeping him under, under wraps. Absolutely, and that's the big key. And even with Devin White coming into the game, not necessarily being 100%, I thought he did a pretty good job. And again, yep. Levante David, you know, the ageless wonder continues with the consistency to still be, in my opinion, the best linebacker on this team. Okay. All right. So the Bucks move to three and one, head to their bye week. Not a lot of news out of, of one buck place during the bye week. Um, obviously, injury wise, it's probably a good week for the Bucks to be off because Evans had a hamstring. You're gonna probably get Kalaja Kansi back for the Detroit game fully full go. We don't know what the status of Jamel Dean will be, but in, or Ryan Neal, we would assume Neal, if it's a concussion, will probably be back this week, but we, we will see as the week progresses. But again, nobody likes an, a week five bye, but I think probably a good time for the Buccaneers to get fully healthy. Yeah, you're exactly right, and and it, it comes at the perfect time because, like you said, Devin White's not 100%, Vita Vea's not 100%. You may get back Kalijah Kansi this week versus the Lions, which will definitely help. Jamel Dean would help, so – Diaby, Diaby's been out a couple weeks. I think he's going to be back this week. So some more reinforcements at the pass rush situation. So, yeah, and I, again, Evans will have a full two weeks to be ready, hopefully, for the Detroit game. So, again, a good, good, good. Most teams don't want to buy this early. But, again, given the circumstances of the nicked-up injuries and maybe the lack of depth at some spots, it's probably a good time for the Buccaneers. And going back to Evans, I mean, he was winning the battle against Lattimore. I mean, three catches for 40 yards before he went out with the injury, including uh, drawing a key pass interference uh, call on third down yep. to give Bucks new life. All right, so let's take a look at the Bucks through four weeks before we get to Detroit. Give me a couple of give me a couple of guys, surprise guys that you, you didn't think four weeks ago would be contributors that are that are really that are really providing a quality contribution to the, to the three and one start. I don't know if I'm surprised, but I thought, you know, Antoine Winfield Jr., you know, he had to have a big year, right? I mean, everybody said he was going to get a contract extension. We knew going back to his natural position, he had the opportunity to do that. He's absolutely taken full advantage of that. 
I think Baker Mayfield, right? I mean, I'm not surprised by it because I felt like he could have the same type of success that Geno Smith had in Seattle. But with that being said, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. Jason Powers, have you changed your mind about Baker Mayfield? I never was anti-Baker. I just wanted to see him do it. I mean, I, I, I mean, again, I thought if it was even with he and Kyle Trask, I thought Trask would get an opportunity. But I think Baker was cl- a little bit better. I don't think it was – Head and shoulders better, but he was better than 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 uh, Trask in the in, in the offseason and preseason. So I'll give him four. I just like that he's making quick decisions. He's not holding on to the ball. It's one, two, throw it away, or one, two, check it down, or run. He's not he's not holding the ball, pumping, 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 trying to force balls into tight windows. Um, very you know, he had the one bad interception in, uh, in the Philadelphia game, but for the most part, he's he's done very well with the ball. Do what the offense allows you to do. Take what the defense gives you and live to play another down if, if, the, if the play's not there. And he had also an interception in this game that was costly, and even he admitted to it. And then the Bucks get a break there because uh, your brethren, I think, missed the call. They give the Bucs a break with the Saints being on, like, the one-yard right. line. Very next play, they fumble. And, of course, it's the peanut punch from Winfield Jr. Yeah. One of the guys that we haven't talked about, how about Logan Hall? Right? Logan Hall giving you that presence. JJ getting better. Getting a little better every week. Yes. And Zion McCollum, with the injuries to Jamel Dean, he's had the opportunity to step up, and he's absolutely taken that next step. And that's the reason why you get excited about Jason Light's picks, especially in the fifth round. Some people say, well, when is it going to work out? you got to give these guys time to develop, and they've had that time, and it certainly seems like it's paying off for Light and crew. I'm going to give you a guy that I, you know, that we knew nothing about that, that was 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 given a start and earned the start. He wasn't given it. He earned the starting spot. We we have no idea who this guy was. Christian Izzing at the nickel spot. Undrafted guy out of Rutgers. You know, we, we know Rutgers has a very good history with defensive backs, things like that with the McCourty brothers and such. But we nobody knew who Christian Izzing was two months ago when training camp started. And this guy has played tremendous football through four weeks. Agree. I mean, I don't know how you can disagree. I mean, once again, another Jason Light find uh, that nobody expected anything from, but he's not playing like a rookie. He's playing like a guy that's been in the league for five or ten years. It's amazing. And let's give some. Let's go to the offensive side. A couple guys I want to give some give some love to too. Luke Gedeke hasn't been brilliant, but he's been good. He's been very serviceable right tackle. He's not committing a bunch of penalties. He's not giving up a bunch of sacks. He's been very serviceable, and he, I think he's just going to be a guy that, again, year two, getting better, getting a little stronger. He's at his natural position. I think it's a – you know, I think I, you can have no complaints about Luke Gettick at right tackle if you're being objective. Absolutely, because he shut down Jordan, and it's always a great thing to shut that loud mouth down. And then, you know, on top of it, you've got Trey Palmer, second touchdown yeah. of the season in this game, really stepping up. Doesn't seem like, you know, he's too big for the spotlight. And, you know, I would also say Tristan Warps. I mean, it's easy. It's low-hanging fruit. But how many people thought he was going to be able to transition over from the right side to the left side? I think he's actually better as a left tackle. In fact, Pro Football Focus right now ranks him as the number one left tackle. So like Winfield Jr., he's going to, he's about to get paid. That's why he'll get thirty. He'll get twenty-five million dollars at the end of this year when they when the contract extension. Pay the man, show me the money. Absolutely, do it. And it and it shows what a dominant left tackle can do for an all, the rest of the offensive line. So now you can you can move the protection to help Cody Mock and get a key a little bit if you need to. 
you know, so that's something that's, you know, when you have that dominant left tackle, you can now help other places that might need help when you're playing different defensive ends that have that are quality uh, defensive ends on the other side. Absolutely. And I tell you another guy that was kind of quiet at the beginning, that would be Chris Godwin. But when Evans goes out, who yeah. shows up the old Chris Godwin, it certainly seems like he has that explosive nature back. He's getting separation. He's physical when it comes to blocking. He's a veteran leader on this team. He needed to step up against the Saints, and he did. What'd you think of the move by the Bucs? It looked like Keyshawn Vaughn kind of was moved back into that number two running back spot. We didn't see Sean Tucker. Vaughn had eight or nine carries in that New Orleans game. What do you you think that's going to kind of be a rotating back and forth depending on the matchup? Or what do you think? What do you think? How do you think that number two running back spot's going to trickle out? Play the hot hand. If he doesn't fumble the ball, if he doesn't put the ball on the ground, if he's running strong at the point of attack, as we continue to talk about, and he's continuing to get positive yardage because you want to stay out of those situations where it's a long third down, you play the hot hand. If Vaughn has that opportunity to be the second running back, so be it. If he's not going to play up to snuff, then you go back to Sean Tucker or whoever else is on this roster. Of course, Chase Edmonds uh, being hurt. So both of these running backs are going to have that opportunity. So to answer your question, whomever is playing better at the time gets the start at number two. And then go to special teams. Again, We uh, Camarda has been doing a great job. Special teams player of the month in September. McLaughlin more, more, just keeps making kicks. That's what you like to see. Has been very su- super steady. I don't, think, I don't think he's missed a kick all year. So, again, just what, what you need to have if you're going to be a division kind of contender here as we move forward. And if you look at that division – you know, obviously the Bucs were off last week, but you had Atlanta win a close game. New Orleans went up and won. Carolina's been a disaster at 0-5. So it's, you know, it's going to be a three-team horse race with the Bucks, Falcons, and Saints. Certainly seems like it, although I think the Falcons are a fraud. I told you that. Desmond Redder played well versus the Texans, but it's the Texans. I got to see more consistency out of this unproven quarterback. And then with the Saints, you know, what's the injury situation? I still think that Dennis Allen is not that great of a coach, although right now Sean Payton is not that great of a coach for the Broncos. So, yeah, Dennis Allen outperforming him, of course, probably more talent defensively as the Broncos could go down as one of the worst defenses in NFL history. So to go back to your main point, I still think this is a two-team race. I get Atlanta at the skill positions with B. John Robinson and Drake London and Kyle Pitts, but until that quarterback puts games together consistently, I'm still saying it's a two-team race with New Orleans and, of course, the Bucs. A couple, couple of uh, transaction moves that happened this week. The Atlanta Falcons traded for on Tuesday for Van Jefferson from the Rams, a wide receiver, basically swapped draft picks with the Rams. It was a basically a uh, – but, again, Jefferson's a third or fourth receiver in, in an offense. Wasn't getting much run in L.A. And, and Atlanta needs some help at wide receiver. And I'm going to give you a name – that potentially the Falcons could be interested in down the road here if if Ritter doesn't continue to at least play well because they've been struggling mightily in the passing game. The Vikings are now one and four. Justin Jefferson's out a month at least with a hamstring injury. Kirk Cousins is going to be a name to be aware of with the Atlanta Falcons if three or four weeks from now Desmond Ritter keeps struggling and the Falcons are still in the mix here a little bit. Don't be surprised if Arthur Smith and – uh Arthur Blanks make a move, make a run at Kirk Cousins. Well, it's certainly possible. They passed on a quarterback in the offseason where they could have made a run, so they decided to go with Ritter. And now if you, you'll fall by the wayside or you think you're actually in it and their quarterback is going to get you over the top, 
but how much are you going to have to give up? You know, I can actually see Cousins going to another team, and that would be the New York J-E-T-S. Jets, 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 especially Zach Wilson falters, although he has played somewhat well. But we'll see if that can definitely last. And going back to Jefferson, his father, Sean Jefferson. Right. The Atlanta Falcons. So a good story there. for. Uh, and his dad, his dad's a wide receiver coach in the league, too. I can't remember which team he's with, but he's a wide receiver coach in the league. So, uh but, yeah, Van Jefferson, who's a Florida Gator here in our part of the world, played in Florida, so has kind of been – hasn't hasn't really progressed a whole lot in L.A. Obviously, the emergence of Nakua in L.A. and Cooper Cutback and Tutu Atwell kind of eliminated his reps out there. So, uh, But, again, Kirk Cousins is the name to be aware of. I said a month ago, Kirk Cousins to the Jets, and people didn't want to believe me but because I thought the Vikings would be out of it. Jeff, Justin Jefferson, they're one in four. He's out a month at least. That team's going to be – they're not re-signing Kirk Cousins. So, he'll be – he could be had for a second or third round draft pick. It's not going to cost them an arm and a leg. And uh, if you're a contender, Kirk Cousins would be a guy to go get at the trade deadline. Well, is Minnesota going to eat most of that salary? Yes. still has a high salary. And, of course, the Jets invested all that money in Aaron Rodgers. And, of course, the big-time story is they expect Rodgers, and it could happen. Rodgers comes back next year. A lot of people consider retirement, but the talk is – that he still could come back. So I guess it depends on last year, last year, Kirk Cousins contract, no more, no more money after this year. So it's a, it's a rental. You're basically renting them for eight eight or nine weeks. I know it's off subject, but there was a report out there for the Rays that they were actually interested in Shohei Otani for a rental. And they were willing to trade three top prospects, including, including junior Caminero. I was surprised by that. I'm shocked by that. I couldn't believe that development, but Peter, you have to listen to the Powers on Sports podcast. I said I told the whole audience that that Otani for the best three prospects make it happen. They couldn't get it done. They well, I, I you have to. Have, I mean, you have to have somebody say yes. Right. But I told everybody they would be in the mix for Otani to offer him up three prospects at the trade deadline. And going I do. back to the rental thing, I mean, you're exactly right. If you're in it to win it, you go for it. And if somebody out there is willing to go and get a quarterback and trade draft capital and pay half of that salary and the other team is willing to pay half of that salary, then you can make it happen. Now, who's a, who's a team out there right now besides the Jets and besides the Falcons that you could say might need a Kirk Cousins? Here's what I would say. Yeah. God forbid something happened to Baker Mayfield in the next three, four weeks. Because remember the trade deadlines, I think Halloween and end of October. If some God forbid something happened to, to Baker, I mean, I'm just being honest with you. If something happened to Baker Mayfield, you don't think the Bucks wouldn't make a phone call to Minnesota? I think they make a call, but I think a, a lot of people would say, you know what? They have faith in Kyle Trask. It certainly seems like But you need another guy. You gotta have two of them. Yeah, that's a lot of money, though. You're going to have to divide. The, the Bucks wouldn't have to pay it. They'd have to pay about probably half at best of whatever's owed. Because remember, half the season would be over by then. The Bucks wouldn't would only have to pay half of what they would not have to pay the full tab. I'm just telling you, they would make a phone call to Kirk Cousins if if something happened to Baker Mayfield. The Bucks would be in that. They may make a phone call, but I feel like once again going back to the off season as we talked about it, you're paying off your credit card bills, so. I don't see that. I see, again, knock on wood, hopefully Baker doesn't. Yeah, I hope nothing happens. I'm just saying, though, the Bucks, if they're in it at the trade deadline, if something happened to Baker Mayfield, I can promise you they wouldn't just put the, all the marbles in Kyle Trask's hands.
I need you to stop saying that because no. uh, you're going to curse this. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. All right. So remember, we're, uh, the No Quarter Given Podcast is part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. Go to BuckPower.com for all of your audio, video, statistical stuff. Paul Stewart will be in town. Remember, he's coming for the Tennessee Titan home game, yeah. Buck fans. We're gonna make we're gonna make him uh, we're gonna take him out to dinner. We're gonna meet up with him and TJ and Peter Blake's gonna go have a buffet of wings, I'm sure, somewhere and go to town. You're gonna get some barbecue sauce all over that buckpower.com uh, <laughs> golf shirt he's wearing with the sticky fingers. All right. So before we get to the uh the montage of the Detroit Lions with Paul Stewart, you got you got a press pass for the game Sunday? It's looking like it. I haven't got official word, but it's definitely looking like it as I'm a part of the J.P. Peterson show. So boy. Only, the only post-game live edition of the sports web, including the J.P. Peterson show on the field, taking phone calls with sound effects uh, like this. You ha- do you ha- do you-, you got the Internet figured out? You got the laptop all working, all tuned up, ready to go? Here's the thing. Here's the biggest challenge, ladies and gentlemen, about doing the show on the field. And this is so sad on my part. Back in the day, I could not find any plugs. I didn't know where the plugs were at. I, there had to be plugs on the field somewhere, and I finally found them. It's like finding gold. You're you're 49er, and you found gold. That's how I feel. So now I got all the plugs. The internet is fine. Everything was working. I can go from four or five platforms at a time. It was the plug situation. I found the plug. I got the plug. I got the power, baby. Speaking of a plug, if you're in the Tampa Bay area, every Monday night, Peter and JP are over at the patio. Monday night, previewing a little Monday night football from 5 to 7. I dropped by over the, on Monday and had, had a fun little chat with JP and uh, Peter on the air, so that was that was good. So uh, how are you guys liking the, uh, the patio situation on Mondays? Well, it may be changing to actually Fridays here. So Friday night from 5 to 7, that may okay. be coming here in a couple of weeks. So we'll see how that works out. But love the money, the Monday situation there. Love having a remote. You know me. You know, bring out the PA speakers, bring out all the gadgets, and bring out the fan mic and have fans on camera talking, you know, about your bucks, about the Rays, about the Lightning, uh, and about other NFL teams. And, of course, the matchup there and the, you know, uh, Florida Gator Bar there, of course, and also Bill's Mafia Bar, which we have Bill's fans earlier on, and they're just crazy or ready to go through tables and wrestling. My kind of fans, too, by the way. Wrestling fans. I like that. Because we're going to see the Buffalo Bills in a couple weeks on Thursday night up in Orchard Park. Yeah. So maybe we should do something. We might try to do something that Thursday night somewhere. All right, Buck fans, we're going to take a we're going to go we're going to go to Paul Stewart and his montage on the Detroit Lions. You're going to enjoy this montage on the historical uh, rivalry with the Lions. Remember, Buck fans from the old NFC Central days. One of the mem- memories I remember, I remember Dave, this for your time, Peter Blake, Dave Logan with a clinching interception return in the Silverdome to clinch a division title back in the day. Obviously, the uh, the clashes with Barry Sanders. If you remember when Barry made John Lynch look like a 10-year-old when he juked him and went 80 yards at, at uh, Tampa Stadium back in the day. I mean... Barry Sanders was a guy that could lose six yards on one play and go 66 the next. And I'm telling yep. you, kids, yep. you've never seen this man run, run. To me, he's probably the greatest running back of all time. Just just amazing to watch, you know, what he did against the Bucks, especially 
versus the Bucks. And there were some years there where the Bucks went there and they shut down Barry Sanders. And I remember a year, I think it was 92 or 93, with Santana Dotson. Yeah. And taking a touchdown back. And at the time, people were saying, well, maybe this is the next Dave Logan. He had a good rookie year. Was that 92? Something like that. It was. Early. I remember the defensive coordinator back then was Floyd Peters. Peters. Remember yeah. Big Floyd from Minnesota yeah. from the Vikings. Yes, I remember him. I remember Rusty Tillman. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that that was, was the hardware years with Hardy Nickerson being your guy. Was that uh, Sam Weish? Sam Weish is the coach. Yes, Sam Weish, Floyd Peters, uh, Thomas Everett. I think was around. Uh-huh. I'm from the Dallas Cowboys. I know my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know you do, Peter Blake. All right, Buck fans, let's get to Paul Stewart in the montage on the Detroit Lions. And on the other side, we will do a little preview of Creamsicle Sunday and the Detroit Lions coming to Raymond James Stadium. We'll be back in just a minute. The Buccaneers and the Lions were division rivals in the NFC Central Division for over 25 years. And this will be the 60th time the two franchises have met. And of course, it will see the return of the creamsicle uniforms, a throwback game. Now, the Bucks had throwbacks from 2009 to 2012 before NFL helmet rules meant we had to put a stop to it for the time being. But Orange is back this Sunday at Raymond James Stadium. The last time the Bucks wore their orange jerseys at home before the colour change was the 1995 season finale, Sam Weiss's final game as head coach. Now, the story goes he wanted the Bucks to wear orange pants as well, but veteran players led by Paul Gruber put a stop to that. Thankfully, Weiss was sacked the following morning after 37-10 hammering. Now, the Bucks' all-time record in orange jerseys, 47-68-1, a losing record, understandably, but they did not wear their orange jerseys at any time during the expansion of the 76 regular season. The first time they wore them was the home opener against Minnesota in 1977. Now, there have been some memorable moments in this series, if not too many memorable games. Now, the 1979 home opener saw Leroy Selman score his one and only NFL touchdown on a fumble return. And who can ever forget the famous clip of Doug Williams throwing a touchdown pass from the seat of his pants to tight end Jim Bradovich. 1985 saw the most legendary defensive hit in Buck history when Scott Brantley almost decapitated Eric Hipple on a totally legal play at the time. Now, amazingly, Hipple only missed one play. Concussion protocol were just two very high-scoring words in Scrabble in those days. October 1994 and the long-awaited first punt return touchdown for the Buccaneers, and it was against Detroit. It was Vernon Turner, and he's currently got a book out called Beyond the Limits, which I can recommend to all Buccaneer fans. Greg Montgomery, one of the best of the NFL, will punt. Turner is back. Good rush. Just gets it off with a beautiful high kick. Turner at his own 19. Crosses the 30. Still going. Turner's got some room. He's got one man to beat. No flags, touchdown, Buccaneers. Vernon Turner, an 81-yard return. The first of the 1987 strike games against the Lions, with less than 5,000 people attending, as Detroit was a very staunch union town at the time. Now, the B-Bucks, as they became known, won the game 31-27, and this remains the lowest attendance the Bucks ever played in for a non-COVID-affected game. Now, the most recent meeting came in December 2020, when the Bucks went to Detroit and were 40-0 up in the third quarter against a seriously outmanned Lions team. 
Blaine Gabbard got to play most of the second half as Tom Brady took a seat. From the 25, Blaine Gabbard starting the second half with a throw down the middle, and Rob Gronkowski has a touchdown from Blaine Gabbard. The most famous meeting between the Bucks and the Lions came in December 1981 with the NFC Central Division title on the line. The winner went to the playoffs, the loser went home, and the Lions were 7-0 at home that season behind Eric Hipple, the quarterback. But thanks to two big plays, the Bucks won 2017 and were on their way to their second division title in three seasons. On the setback, Doug Williams 5 for 12 for 45 yards and the passing on first down almost every play. Oh, He's going got up him. top for Kevin House and Kevin House is off to the races. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. 13-10, the Bucks lead. 13-40, a lot of time remaining in the fourth quarter. Third and 10 for Eric Hipple. Selman putting pressure on Hipple, and the loose ball is picked up by Dave Logan. And Logan is in for the touchdown. Now, the only playoff meeting between the two teams took place in December 1997, the final game played at the old Sombrero. Fans were queuing for hours for tickets for that game. The Bucks were back in the playoffs for the first time in 15 years, and players, coaches and owners alike went down to take coffee and donuts to the fans waiting in line. And it was fitting in a way that Mike Allstock scored the final touchdown for the Buccaneers in the legendary old stadium. With every step, Mike Allstott erased years of bad memories in Tampa Bay. In two years, so much had changed. The Buccaneers were no longer lovable underdogs. They were one of the league's best teams, surrounded by the NFL's best fans, and led by the man many view as the best coach in the NFL. Bring on the fireworks and bring on the Packers! So the stadium will be decked in orange again this weekend, just like it was in 2009 for the first throwback game, the day Leroy Selma was inducted into the Ring of Honour. I was fortunate enough to watch that one from the pirate ship, and although I'll be watching this one from back here in England, you'll be able to read all about it on buckpower.com. Every player, every game, everything bucks. Well, the fall football season and fall sports calendar is finally here. And there's no better place to buy your tickets, for whether it's for the NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, or any sporting event in between in the, in the fall months of August through December, then Ticketsmarter.com. Ticketsmarter is your secondary marketplace to go for all of your sports ticket needs, whether it's NHL coming up, Major League Baseball, college football, your favorite NFL team, whatever it is. Ticketsmarter.com is the place to go. And for your first time purchase, you will get $10 off your first $100 order. All you have to do is use the code POWERS10. Again, go to Ticketsmarter.com and use the code POWERS10 to enjoy $10 off your first order of $100 or more. That's Ticketsmarter.com for all of your ticket needs this fall. And now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market to purchase your first time home, relocate to the state of Florida, 
or just purchase that second home or investment property? Well, if so, Titan Home Lending can help you get financing for that new home purchase. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404, and I can help you get pre-approved in less than one day. A pre-approval is critical in order to make that offer on your home. You want to know how much of a home you can make an offer on, and getting a pre-approval will allow you to do that. From an FHA, VA, conventional loan, jumbo loan, bank statement loans, there are numerous loan options out there to help you get into your house of your dreams. You can also renovate. You can do a renovation loan, which will allow you to make home improvements and finance the costs into the loan. So reach out to Titan Home Lending anywhere in the state of Florida for your next home purchase. 205-790-1404. All right, Buck fans, welcome back. No Quarter Given Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed Paul Stewart's excellent montage. He will have one for us every single week. Atlanta Falcons will be up next week because we have two straight home games here with the Falcons coming to town next week. And um, Peter Blake, it is creamsicle Sunday. Yeah. Bucks getting a little respect. The game gets flexed from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock by Fox, which is a good thing. Um, so we'll be in the 4 o'clock window this week. Give me your favorites. Give me a memory from Peter Blake's past of the creamsicle jerseys as either a little kid or a young adult or as an older adult. I mean, there's not a lot there, but I definitely remember what was it? Uh, the Sam Weishers, his first year, what was it? 5-2. to 5-2, baby. Get off to a great start there. Of course, they end up falling back uh, tremendously, so they would never. The orange pants, you know, you remember yep. the orange pants? I remember Ron Hall. I remember Vinny, and this goes back to 92-93. Once again, I think it's the same game where you win a, you, you, you win a, uh, a, a one that is so close where you have Ron Hall catching one of the final touchdowns there, and your defense has to stop the lines from scoring at that point because you think they're going to score. And I think it was Perryman at the time. This is why you got to go to buckpower.com. Uh, nearly scores, and the Bucks are able to stop him the last 10 seconds of the game. I remember that stuff because it was so tough to beat the Lions at the time because of Barry Sanders and Scott Mitchell and Rodney Pete and Andre Ware. I mean, they never could perform against any other team besides it seemed like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I remember I remember I was home. I was living up in Alabama at the time and I was home for the holidays and I went to the wild card game. It was at 97 when they played the Lions in the wild card game with Tony Dungy. Yes, yes sir. It was at that wild card game when they beat the Lions. Right. Yeah. But First time they'd been to the playoffs in forever. Yeah. You know, I think it was was that tr um quarterback was what Trent Trent Dilfer's, uh, it was, it was, his, what is this? I believe it was Trent. I believe Trent was the quarterback. Trent was the quarterback. Mike Allstott was coming into his second Work year. Work done. Yep. That was the year you switched over. That was yep. the second year of Tony Dungy. You switched right. over to the pewter. And of course, uh, pewter. Sapp and, it was Sapp and Brooks. And obviously that the, 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 the defense was ascending to be an elite level defense, but it was the first time we got over the hump and back into the playoffs. In so many years, and I just I remember I was in the in the building. It was in uh, it was Raymond James, I believe. It was the first first or second year of Raymond James. Oh, it was Hula, it was Hoolahan Stadium. Hula okay, Stadium. okay, Raymond James. Okay, we're not going to talk about Hoolahan's. Oh, no, no, Raymond no, no, no. James. 
No, 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 no. Raymond James didn't open up until 1998 versus the Chicago Bears. Okay, okay. Then the last year of, of the old sombrero. The big, yes, the big sombrero. That's right. Okay. Hulahan Stadium. I'm just, I, I'm just trying to be. There. Uh, that's fine. Okay. But I was in the building that day for the playoff game. All right. Let's get to the matchup this week. We've got a heavyweight matchup. Uh, nobody thought the Buccaneers would be three and one. A lot of people thought Detroit would be. They're at four and one now, and uh, an impressive victory um, over the weekend. They beat Carolina badly. Again, th- to me, this is another physical test for the Buccaneers. Offensive and defensive lines for Detroit are really good. The Bucks did not match up particularly well in the Philadelphia game. I think Philadelphia's is better than Detroit, so I think the Bucks are going to be a little more evenly matched. Two weeks of rest for the Buccaneers, so I don't think physically uh, they're not going to be fatigued. I think you're going to get some guys back. Kalijah Kansi, you're going the offensive line is intact. I think you're going to get Diaby back. I think he's going to be part of the rotation as well. But can the Buccaneers hold up offensive and defensive lines with the Detroit Lions? And it's going to come down to the blitz. Can the blitz get to Jared Goff? Because you remember last year, 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's not great against the blitz. So if the Bucs can apply that pressure to him, then maybe you have the old Jared Goff come back and give you a couple interceptions. But he's definitely played out of his mind. You got some new weapons there. You got David Montgomery from the Chicago Bears, who certainly fits there, not the Bears. I guess the Bears didn't think he would fit. He's fit the lines uh, very well so far. And look, they're believing in their coach and Dan Campbell. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a hard-nosed attitude. He wants his team to be physical. Uh, at the point of attack, as we talked about with this Bucks team, not only offensively on that offensive line, but also defensively led by, of course, Hutchinson, the uh, second-year defensive end out of Michigan. They're going to try to impose their will physically, and there's, Montgomery's been running the ball really well. We don't know the status of uh, Jameer Gibbs and Amon St. Brown. Both didn't play last week against Carolina. We don't know what the status is, just like we don't know what the status is with Mike Evans. But I think the passing game for the Buccaneers this week can be where you can make some hay against Detroit. The secondary isn't great. Emmanuel Mosley, one of their DBs, blown ACL he's done for the year CJ Gardner's out for I mean he's out for them so I think you can make some hay in the secondary against the Detroit Lions especially if Mike if Evans is available again I thought I told you we talked we talked about Trey Palmer getting more involved in the offense he didn't have a bunch of catches but he played more snaps in the in the game against New Orleans I think we're it's we're due to have a a ball over the top we haven't thrown a deep ball to him yet I think that's probably going to be part of this game plan and again stay balanced and Baker Mayfield, keep doing what you're doing offensively. And again, um, don't let the don't let them break your will by running the ball like the Eagles did in the second half. You got to contain that running game. Yeah, you got to contain that running game. Make them one dimensional, of course, and that's what the Bucks' mo is defensively, offensively. Who's your favorite wide receiver besides Trey Palmer, Chris Godwin? Who's the guy who stepped up with the touchdown versus the Saints late to clinch? Because you've been talking about him too, showing out. Who was that last Sunday? Was that Tom? What did you tell me? Tompkins? Evan Tompkins, right there. Your guy, you talked about him. No, I, I, I want to see more Trey Palmer, but Tompkins has been a quality contributor too. Yeah, Give him he, credit. He's got speed. He's quick. Uh, he's very deceptive, and uh, he's catching the ball. And that's what it comes down to. Yes. Job. When you're catching the ball consistently, Baker's going to have that confidence to go to him. And even without Evans, they're able to put it together. So that wide receiving room right now, Looking pretty good, Jason Powers, my tag team partner of the world. And you're getting some contribution out of even a guy like Rakeem Jarrett. He caught through two or three balls the other day. Again, we all thought this young receiver core from three, three, four, and five would be young. 
and they're and they're playing well. I give them give them all the credit. They don't have to be the they don't have to be the star. They just have to be a compliment. Catch the balls that are thrown to you on those third and fours kind of deal. And let's get Kate Otten more involved in the game too. I want to see more Kate Otten. Um, I think you're going to see Rashad White get some more throws out of the backfield. So uh, again, I think I think I, I like where this offense is going. And again, if Mike Evans plays. That will be such a key factor because, again, the coverage is still going to roll to Mike Evans. Say what you want, the coverage is still going to roll to Mike Evans. And those tricky, tricky bucks, all the trickeration that you saw last Sunday, does that carry over against the line? So, yeah, Chris Godwin throw a pass, and it looked like it was open. The defender wasn't looking, turned his head back, of course, didn't. Uh, threw in double coverage there, but look at the the uh, player was open at the time. I believe it was Trey Palmer, right? And he also had an end around to uh, Tompkins there, which was yep. nice. Which again, happened. modern football is all these misdirection things, speed sweeps, all that kind of stuff. And again, with another two weeks of practice time and all that stuff to uh, philosophically get your stuff in order, I think it's a. Uh, I think it's you're going to see a wide open Buccaneer offense this Sunday. Again, I, and I also like the NFL giving the Bucs some respect here. You're starting to hear a little more chatter about the Buccaneers league-wide. The, the game gets flexed. I like that. Again, I think Fox realizes the Buccaneers are better and are going to be a good team. They're over-under with six this year, win total. Mm. I got a piece of that, by the way, over, over yeah. six. Over. There you go. Good stuff. Yeah. So we're, we're going to cash that check hopefully pretty quick. So, um, all right, Peter Blake, give me a prediction here. Buccaneers, 4 o'clock, creamsicles. The NFC Central Revival is back. Give me a prediction. Raymond James Stadium, Sunday uh, afternoon. I like the Bucks 28-24 to 24 over the Lions. Okay, I'm going 27-21 Bucks. Uh-huh. The Bucks are about a three and a half point underdog too, by the way. So I like that at home too. Home, good teams, home underdogs. I like that. Remember, Buccaneer fans, check out BuckPower.com. If you're locally in the Tampa area, check out the uh, 98 Rock for the Bucks uh, broadcast. TJ, Gene, and Dave Moore on the call. And then you can go to the Bucks app if you're not in the Tampa Bay area or on SiriusXM to find the Buccaneers broadcast. If you're not in the Tampa Bay area to find the Buccaneer broadcast on Sunday. Well, Peter Blake, enjoy. The press box, three plate minimum, okay? It's, a, it's an after, late afternoon. And by the way, set your alarm. Don't be rolling in at 3.30. Get there by 2.30. Get there on time, bro. Get set up. Eat your three plates. Go to town with JP after the game, man. Absolutely. Sounds good. And I expect a, uh, a phone call uh, to you know, kind of give your thoughts whether the Bucks win or lose. Uh, live at Raymond James Stadium, my friend, on the sports web. I'm waiting for that press pass where I can be your wire holder. I'll, I'll hold the cables. Give me a press pass, bro. I need that. I'm trying to work on that. I need a camera guy. We need to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and say, hey, this is my tag team partner in the world. He's going to be able to help me with the camera. He can set up, hold the wires, and also get on camera because we do the no buck, no quarter given podcast here on the buckpower.com podcast. All right, Buck fans, we'll see you next time. Atlanta Falcons in week seven coming up. But let's get a W here with the Detroit Lions. And let's get into sole possession of first place in the NFC South. We'll see you next time, Buck fans, on the No Quarter Given Podcast. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag Buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given Podcast. And make sure for the best in historical Buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the BuckPower.com podcast.
Podcast Network.